Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making this special edition of Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. Illinois Family Institute and Act for America recently hosted three forums on the normalization of Islam in America and how Sharia is weaving its way into our daily lives. During this spotlight, some highlights from a breakout session forum during AM560's Freedom Summit in Itasca. The first speaker is Usama Dakdak. Usama was born in Egypt in an Arabic-speaking Christian home. He's a Christian minister and scholar on Islam. In his travels around the United States, Usama warns Americans about the destruction caused when Islam's teachings are strictly followed and enforced. Also speaking at the Freedom Summit was Dr. Bill Warner. Dr. Warner is founder and director of the Center for the Study of Political Islam, and he's the author of the best-selling book, Sharia Law, for non-Muslims. I'd like to share with you just in a few minutes here about the title Radical Islam. Who invented that title but Muslims themselves? Which Muslims? We're talking about the Muslim Brotherhood, the Radical. The Radical in America invented the title Radical Islam to confuse us. After all, we have no clue what Islam is. Now they give us uh, mostly, for, there are many reasons why they are called Radical or who are these Radicals? They are called radical because they do not know the true Islam. They misunderstand the verses of the Quran. They are taking these verses out of context. Uh, they are uninformed. Or reasons why they are radicals, because they are poor, they are uneducated, they are crazy. Why we call them radicals? Because what they do is radical. Really? And I used to always ask the people who will use the word radical Islam, I said, so you believe in moderate Islam as well? She sure. Or he says, sure. Why? Because if there is radical, there is moderate. And if there is radical, when you use the term radical Muslim, you are confessing that there is moderate Muslims. And if there is moderate Muslims, that means they have the right to come to America and run for office and run businesses and uh, educate our children about the moderate Islam, the loving, peaceful Islam. And soon they will have the upper hand. What is the upper hand? Quran 47, verse 35, where Allah said, do not be weak, calling for peace when you have the upper hand. So what is a moderate Islam? Those who are surviving in the West, practicing many of the doctrines and the beliefs of Islam, like uh, taqiyah. What is taqiyah? It's a word we use here in America, and I hear lots of people saying it in English without having a clue. It's not actually an English word. It's an Arabic word. It is to protect, to protect themselves, to be able to survive in a Western society. Can you imagine with me after September 11, Muslims travel in America and say, my name is Muhammad and I'm a Muslim and I believe in the Quran, I believe in Allah's word and I believe in Muhammad, the teacher Muhammad. Therefore, Islam is love and peace. No, what they said, my name is Ed. How you spell your name, Mr. Ed? M-O-H-M-M-E-D. Wait a minute, that's Muhammad. Or my name is Lee. 
How you spell your name is A-L-I. That's Ali. They're practicing taqiyya. Taqiyya is Quran 328. That's when Allah taught the Muslim believers. Notice, I did not say Muslim radicals. Muslim believers do not take the Jews and Christians for friends, rather than believers. Whoever among you takes them for a friend, become one of them. So what is the problem? You become an infidel. But Allah tells them, to the Muslim, except, here's the exception. You can take an American for friend, here's the exception, to protect yourself cautiously. This is taqiyya. Let's read the interpretation of that verse by Muslim scholars, not by you, Samad Akdok. I'm not a scholar, I'm just a, a reporter. I tell you what Allah said and what Muhammad said, what Muslim scholars said, that's all I do. They said, you can take them as friends with your tongue, not with your hearts. And this can only practice for those who live in a foreign country and they're not strong in it. Can you imagine? These are the interpretation of the word of Allah. So are they radical? Because they bomb people, because they behead people, because they cut their fingers and their toes, they cut their hand and legs from the opposite side, using a wood saw to cut people, I mean bone saw to cut people. No, they're not radical. That is Islam. The problem is we have not read the Quran. Ask yourself, do I know anything about Islam? No. Why? Well, not because you listen to Usama or Dr. Bell for an hour and answer some of your questions. Now you know about Islam. The best way to know Islam is to read the Quran. Muslims in America jump to call us hate speakers. We're on the list of the hate speakers in America. Why is that? Because we read the words of Allah to you. Well, you have no right to read the Quran because you cannot understand. Excuse me. I'm thankful to God that he gave me the, 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 the privilege to translate that book accurately, that you can actually read word for word what Allah said. You, you're taking this verse out of context. No, I'm sorry. I will read the whole chapter for you. As a matter of fact, when you read the Quran, you find it's a book written out of context. There is no context in the Quran. You jump from A to B to C to L to Z to O to M. No order. So when you read Quran 5:51, and Allah said, Oh, you have believed. Notice again, Allah calls them believers. Do not take the Jews and Christians for friends. What that does mean? Loves them and hugs them and kiss them? No. And what is so amazing, we can quote for Muslims hundreds of verses in the Quran which teach the truth about Islam to be a savage cult. Beheading, cutting hands and legs from opposite side, cutting fingers and all these wicked acts which... Muslims do, in Saudi Arabia, they just did a few days ago to one of their journalists. That is Islam. When we do that, they quick to jump that we're taking these verses out of context. Well, can you quote for me a verse from the Quran? Take it out of context, with all means. I give you all the freedom and liberty. Take a verse of the Quran out of context to teach me love or peace. Uh-uh, that does not exist. Where? In the entire Quran. So the, my problem we have in America is my people, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I hope and I pray. Get yourself a copy of the Quran and read it. Just simply read the book and share it with others because it's time for us not to just listen, but to speak. The problem with conservative in America are they're listening and they're not talking. I draw a picture of cartoon, big ears and a small tiny mouse. No, let's turn it around. Yeah, I know we got two ears to listen and learn. And don't speak from your own head. I'm not interested to know your personal opinion about Islam. And notice, I'm not saying Muslims. I'm talking about Islam. I want to hear the word of Allah. If you cannot memorize a couple of verses, write them down on a piece of paper and use these verses to expose the truth about Islam. There is no radical Muslims as much as there is no moderate Muslims. They are Muslims and they are hypocrites. 
Who are the hypocrites? Quran chapter 3 verse 167. These are the Muslims who refuse to kill infidels or sponsor those who kill infidels. I'll stop here. Let uh, Brother Bill share a little bit more. Well, I'm Bill Warner. I'm a scientist who's entered to the study of political Islam. So I'm a scientist and I study Islam from the scientific standpoint, which means I deal in fact-based reasoning. Let me first praise Muhammad by saying that he's the greatest warrior who ever lived. He created an entire new form of war, which is civilizational war. When we think of war, we think of special forces, guns, bombs, and blood. But it's, Muhammad invented a form of war which was superior to this. No man dies today for Julius Caesar or Napoleon or Alexander the Great. But someone died today because of Muhammad because he invented this new form of war. And when I say it's civilizational war, what I mean is this. Islam is a separate civilization, and it, although an appearance might be the same as ours, in truth, it, its foundation is very different. This means that everything in Islam can be advanced by, say, let's take the hijab, the head covering. Under Islam, the hijab can become a method of war. That is, that we need it. If I'm a clerk in your store, I must wear my hijab. You don't want me to wear a hijab? Well, we're going to have a lawsuit over this. Food in the schools can be a form of civilization war. Let me give you an example. My daughter lives in Tenley Park. A note came home with her, one of her kids, which was, you'll no longer bring gummy bears or marshmallows to school. What? Well, it turns out, you see, gummy bears and marshmallows have pork in it. So there's been meetings with Muslims, with the school board, saying that this is not food that we can be around. So therefore, no one gets to eat marshmallows or gummy bears. Now, when Muslims describe Sharia law, they say, well, it's just like Jewish law. Jewish law says that Jews can't eat bacon. Sharia law says nobody eats bacon. So it's a new form of war, and that's what's killing us. The bombs from Islam and killing of individuals, that's the least part of our problem. What is the biggest part of our problem is that the Chicago school, is, is that the Chicago school system has already said, we will surrender to the rules of Allah. So this is a civilizational war. Now this means that you can play a part in it. Now let me tell you where we are in history today. In the past, the West has fought against Islam primarily with swords, bullets, and bombs. But now for the first time in history, Islam can now be understood by any individual. It's all contained in three books, Quran, Sirah, the life of Muhammad, and Hadith, his traditions. In the past, these books were difficult to read, and there were Arabic scholars, professional historians, Middle East experts. Only they could read this work. But today, anybody, anybody can understand Islam. When I wrote my biography of Muhammad, I paid a 12-year-old 20 bucks to read it. Then when I got through, I asked her questions. She could answer the questions. That is, a 12-year-old could use critical thought in interpreting Islam. That means you can do it too. This means we do not need to have Donald Trump or someone else carry the banner for us. We can carry it ourselves. Okay? Now then, this is the reason we can win. If they want to wage civilizational war against us, we need to wage it back. This means we need to push back in politics, we need to push back in schools, we need to push back in textbooks, and we need to push back in the churches. I'm giving you some bad news. I come from Nashville, Tennessee, which has been called the buckle on the Bible belt. The strongest support of Islam in Nashville, Tennessee comes from the pulpits of the churches and the synagogues. So therefore, if you're a Christian and go to church, you can wage civilizational war within your own church. And this must be done. It is up to us to defend our civilization. Donald Trump can't do it for us, nor can anyone else do it for us. Brigitte Gabriel can't do it. Osama can't do it. I can't do it. You have to go to war. And it's an ideological war. 
we have two enemies. We have the far enemy, which is Islam, and the near enemy, which were the apologists for Islam, the leftists and progressives. So people say, aren't you afraid? And what they mean is, Bill, aren't you afraid of getting a car bomb assassinated? Really not so much. You know who's hurting me? The progressives and the left. They're hurting me. Not the Muslims. So this, I give this to you and thinking to yourself, well, I don't want to know if I'm going to enter into this war because I don't want to be harmed. The worst they'll tell about you is you're a racist, hater, bigot, Islamophobe. Which, by the way, the Southern Poverty Law Center says I'm one of the nation's top racist, hater, bigot, Islamophobe. That's one word. <laughs> so that's the worst that will happen. Somebody will trash talk you. And if you can't take trash talk, get off the field. We... What Osama and I say is, adopt our spirit, read some of what we've written, or others, and we can win. But we have to go to war. We're sitting around going, well, what are we going to do? Oh, this and oh, that. No! Put on your battle armor. All right? Go to war. Now, this is an advantage, having the mind of war. Right now, we have the mind of nice. We're so nice. We don't want to offend anybody. Well, I never deliberately try to offend anybody, but notice something else. I do not talk about bodies. I talk about doctrine. I talk about Allah and Muhammad. I never discuss Muslims, other than to say they are obeying this part of the Islam or another part of Islam. So it's not a war against people. It's a war against ideas. This is a war of ideology and people. We have to win. We have to win because if we do not, let me remind you of something. Afghanistan used to be Buddhist. The Middle East used to be Christian. North Africa was Christian. Iraq was Christian. Where is that now? Where is it? Pakistan used to be Hindu. Where is it? This is very serious. In a civilizational war, if you lose the civilizational war, you know what you lose? Your civilization. What we've done here is too great. Our civilization is based on critical thought and the golden rule. That's our ethical principle and our thought principle. Islam is based on the dualistic ethics, how a person is treated, depends on whether they're Muslim or not. And it's also based on authoritative thought. No thoughts are allowed outside of the box of Quran, Sirah, Hadith. I wager you view this. Our civilization is superior, and I proclaim it. Thank you. This is a special edition of Illinois Family Spotlight. Highlights from an Illinois Family Institute Act for America Forum on Islam during the recent AM560 Freedom Summit. Usama Dakdok and Dr. Bill Warner took questions from attendees, and we'll have their answers after this. Hello, I'm David Smith, the Executive Director of Illinois Family Institute, a state-based Christian pro-life and pro-family public policy organization. I want to invite you to join us as we seek to be salt and light to a dark and rapidly decaying culture. You can do that in a number of ways. For example, you can join our email list to get timely alerts and great cultural commentaries. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, listen to our podcasts, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can attend one or more of the special events and forums we host in different parts of the state. We do all these things to encourage and equip Christians in Illinois. You see, we need you to help us fulfill our mission to boldly bring a biblical perspective to public policy. Our faith requires us to be bold, speak truthfully, and love our neighbors. Join us. Visit IllinoisFamily.org to learn more. Again, that is IllinoisFamily.org. 
This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. You may have missed a very important announcement from the Trump administration on the so-called contraception mandate from the Affordable Care Act. The administration is now making extremely clear that religious employers and specifically Christian organizations cannot be required to violate conscience in the contraceptive mandate. That mandate from the Obama administration was so draconian that even some Christian ministries were ordered to comply against their own convictions, paying for contraception for all, including forms of contraception that many believe will contribute to or cause an abortion. The government has so many means at its disposal whereby it could provide this kind of contraception coverage. Requiring it of religious employers was a deliberate slap in the face, a clear violation of religious liberty. The wheels of justice grind slowly, but in the case of Christian ministries at last, the contraception mandate is finally gone. I'm Albert Moeller. Thanks once again for joining Illinois Family Spotlight during this edition. We're focusing on Islam and Sharia in America with two experts on the topic, Usama Dakdak and Dr. Bill Warner. They were speakers at the recent AM560 Freedom Summit in Itasca and took questions from attendees at a breakout forum there hosted by Act for America and the Illinois Family Institute. How does the left reconcile itself with Sharia law? I think you're asking questions about facts and thinking that has some impact on the argument, first off. No, I'm very serious. This is about feelings. It's not about facts. It's all about how I feel. So, I mean, you're setting, you start off on the wrong foot. Osama? Well, Sharia comes from two books, the book of the Quran and the book of the Hadith. The Quran is the word of Allah. The Hadith is the saying of Muhammad. In the Hadith, we learn about the Sunnah, what Muhammad used to do. The problem we have in America is our ignorance of the Quran, Allah's word, and the Hadith, Muhammad's words. And I can give you hundreds of examples. Let me give you one. We were in Detroit. We have a rally there at uh, uh, Detroit Police Station, believe it or not. We use their parking lot to do our rally. And the lady came to me and said, we are anti-Sharia uh, law. And I said, ma'am, I don't think you have heard me. The word Sharia means law. When you say Sharia law, you say law law, which means you live in the law law land. Have, <laughs> so you yourself, in your question with all this respect, use the word Sharia law because we just say many words without even knowing what it is. We say Sahara Desert. What does the word Sahara mean? It means desert, desert, desert. OK, so she said, we, whatever you call it, but we're not here for cutting the hand of the thief. That's barbaric, savage practice, have nothing to do with Islam. It's just some culture of some Muslim countries. I said, oh, so you are anti-Allah's word, the Quran. What do you mean by that? I said, let's open. And she had the Quran in her hand. Let's go to Quran chapter 5 and verse 38. And Allah said, and the male thief and the female thief, so cut off their hands. Oh, so the cutting of the hand, which is a barbaric, which is savage, which makes these people radical, is actually Islam. How about the one who waged war against Allah and his messenger? Cut his hand and legs from opposite side. You know, this ones or these two. Okay, one of the two. Or beheading, Quran 47.4, Quran 8.12. Terrorizing the Americans, the verses of Allah in the Quran. Many verses, 351, 151. 812, 8, and, and so on and so on. So we are speaking against Sharia without telling the American people what Sharia is. And Muslims, on the other hand, got the other side. Oh, 
Sharia is very compatible to American way of life. As a matter of fact, many Muslim countries do not practice Sharia, but we can practice Sharia in America. It's very flexible. It can apply to any part of the world because things change. And you hear these lies about Sharia from the Muslims, and if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, American people will believe it. That is a problem. We need to understand Islam, learn about Sharia from Allah's word and Muhammad's word. When you read the Quran and you read the Hadith, the saying of Muhammad, or watch what Muhammad did in his Sunnah, you see, they say, do this and don't do that. This, the do's and don'ts, is Sharia. Sadly, we never read the book. We have no idea what Sharia is. If the American people know what is in Sharia, I promise you, the moment a Muslim uses the word Sharia, he or she will be removed from our borders because that is the destruction of our Constitution and America. It seems as though Sharia is in Dearborn, Michigan. But is it limited to there? Is it in Chicago? Let me answer this quickly. <laughs> you, ladies and gentlemen, who are sitting here today in front of me, all of you, believe it or not, are practicing Sharia. You didn't hear me. I know you're distracted with this information. All of us here in this room right now, practicing Sharia. How many of you have a bank account? Put your hand up. How many of you have insurance in America? Put your hand up. That's all of you. Sharia finance is part of Sharia Islam. Why? Because Sharia covers all aspects of life. Believe it or not, some of the clothes you're wearing, you pay 2.5% of the interest of that clothes to this Muslim company who practice Sharia finance in America. And they are gaining that money directly to the Muslim Brotherhood. Check your bank. Check your insurance. Check the businesses you're dealing with, and you found out most of these, we have over 100 in America. Big companies, all of them in America, practicing Sharia finance. And by that, the Muslim Brotherhood got all the fund they need to take over the world and America by you, the American who's sitting here today, proud of yourself, call yourself conservative. We have a bigger problem than we can handle. You had a question, ma'am? Yes. Um, we're talking about solutions. Um, the uh, SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, it should be called the Soros Prosperity Law Center. Uh -huh. And Americans can push back individually on that. Secondly, I'm involved with ending female genital mutilation in the United States. Um, Americans need to know that there are 513,000 women and girls at risk of FGM in the United States, according to the CDC, our own center for disease control. And there are still 23 states in the United States that have not outlawed this barbaric procedure. So there's lots of things that Americans can do, educate themselves, and get involved in, as you gentlemen so poignantly said, push back. So thank you. Thank you. All right, your question. OK, so we've seen, uh, we've seen news stories where there have been Muslim rape gangs in England and in Germany and Sweden. And my question for you is, is this permitted by Islam? The answer is yes. There, if you read the Quran, we see that you can have sex with one, two, three, or four wives, and those whom your right hand possesses. Who does your right hand possess? A captive, a female captive. You can have sex with a female captive. And this not only occurs during war, which occurred all the time under Muhammad's war. Part of the reason to go to war under Muhammad in the jihad was free sex. There's even one guy who said, when he, about going to Byzantium, uh, into what we call Turkey today, about fighting, he talks about the beauty of the yellow-haired women. So rape is part of the Sharia. It, um, it's just written into the Quran. It's written into the Hadith. It's written into the Sirah. 
So that's the answer to that. The problem is, is that we need to hang that knowledge around those who present themselves in front of us as Muslims who are, say, running for political office. I'm big on introducing the Sharia into politics because if we have a, my inbox gets filled up with people saying, oh, we have this person running for mayor, he's running for this, running for that. Settle in. It's going to pretty, in another 20 years, every time you vote, you'll have a choice whether you're Democrat or Republican voting for or against a Muslim. We need to hang Sharia around the necks of those who present themselves in front of us and say they want to represent us in our democratic society. We need to learn Sharia so we can tell other people about it and when we see it. For instance, Osama said something about, you don't think that banks have anything to do with Sharia. Yes, they are involved in Sharia compliant. I don't do business with banks who do Sharia compliant financing. Well, how do you find that out if your bank is doing that? I called my manager at the Bank of America before I left them, and I said, do you practice Sharia finance in this bank? And the man said, Sharia what? He talked like he's ignorant of the topic. I said, how about I give you my number? They have my number. I said, call me at your convenience when you find out. And I said, if I never heard from you, that means you know it, and you just ignored me. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, they are playing, by the way, when I start talking about Sharia finance in America, or all the Sharia apply, uh, ministry work of the Muslim in America, I start talking about this maybe a good nine years ago. There were 16 companies, banks, work with them. Today is over 100. Soon, it will be like New Zealand. Have you been to New Zealand? There is nothing you buy in New Zealand unless it has the word halal in it. They actually have halal coffee. Do you know we have halal coffee in America today? In New Zealand, nothing you buy unless you give 5% of the profit to the Muslim Brotherhood, even though the number of Muslims in New Zealand is less than 5%. Hello? And I love it how Muslims in America always say, we're less than 1%, we're less than 1%. You know why they're less than 1%? Because there's not a man with American USA blood running his vein or a lady can tell me the word illegal and the word Muslim in one sentence. Do you know how many illegal Muslims we have in America? They've been talking about the illegal Mexican for a long time, 11 million, 11 million. Just a few weeks ago, the number moved from 11 to 22. Do you know how many illegal Muslims in America, and I can say it, because they are not here legally? How about if I give you 3, 4% of the Muslim living in America are illegal? Not counting the 1%. There are more than 1% black American, nation of Islam. As I said earlier, we do not know how many illegal Muslims live in America. And we do not know how much it costs us to keep these people in America. You guys have no idea how much money we gave from America to the Muslim world. I mean, we found out late, just a few weeks ago, we gave $650 billion to the people in South, South America. And they're coming to invade our country, and the Democrats would love to have them. How about the billions we give to the Muslim country who hate us? They hate us. And we still bring the people to America as refugees. Something is wrong about that. I think if we know the number of the people who should not be in America and how much it costs us, not just for education. Brother Bill talked about halal food. Now if you got two Muslim students in a public schools, we have to change the menu to make it halal food. If you got two criminals in a jail or a prison, we have to change the menu food and everything goes with halal. If we have anybody serving in our military, same thing. Muslims control our country and it costs us billions of dollars. Not millions, billions. And they will continue to do that as long as they're Democrat who loves them to hell, not to heaven, because they care less about their eternity or the future of our country. You're probably not talking about the, the Muslim that lived in the White House recently. Anyway, um, there, there's a lady named Sharon Brannigan who is a Palos Township trustee. And for the last year, every time they have a meeting, they have 40 or 50, maybe 100 people screaming and hollering and protesting her, demanding she resign. 
And most of these people are inspired, if not they're Muslims themselves, trying to get her to resign because she wrote on a blog somewhere that where are we getting the money to f educate all these illegal aliens in our neighborhood? And it just happened that most of them are, okay. are Muslim. So how do we deal with this mob of people that take over the Palos Township trustee meetings? Mother Bill. I think that one of the things you need to do, and by the way, I'm not familiar with this, is to support the woman by one, doing one of two things, or both of them. One, support her politically and let her know that you will support her politically, all right? And the other is, now, I'm not who you think I am. I used to be a, what was called a hippie, and I, took, I was part of the civil rights movement. <laughs> I learned some valuable things being in that, and one of them is how to do a demonstration. If they have a demonstration, do a counter-demonstration. We have to put our feet on the street. We can't stay at home and worry. So if there is shouting down there, go and bring your own shouting crew. Are, are you suggesting we get in their face? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a quick student. I like that. <laughs> but really, we have to put our feet on the street and put our bodies on the line. And it, is there anything dangerous about going to a political meeting and shouting back? No. Try it sometime. It feels good. Civil disobedience is something else we need to do. Next question. My question is, we want to support Sharon, but how do we do it when even Sharon says, don't come to the meeting for your own safety? Present a large enough group and you'll be safe. The people in, the people in Palos Heights have to do that. And it's, you know, it's up to them. And I think they're afraid. Intimidation, that's how Muslims always win. They actually, I have many meetings canceled this year because Muslims write letters to the churches. If you go to our website now, we never have our calendar anymore because they write letters to the churches, members in the churches, members in the community, and intimidate them. No, do not be intimidated. If I'm still alive, trust me, you're safe. Go to these meetings. When you heard about my death or Brother Bill's death, maybe be cautious, okay? But besides that, stand up. Don't be intimidated by anybody. Is it too late for most of Western Europe to reverse course? No. What you've done here, let me first off address what the question is. One of the things that I admire about Islam is they have incredible morale. What I don't like about us is we have bad morale. I'm not singling you as a person because you're indicative of a whole chain of thought. If you're losing the war, either improve the war you're fighting or change the rules of war. So we're losing, then adapt to that. Don't just go, oh, quit, quit. Uh, I don't quit. I'm going down with all guns blazing, and I advise you to do the same. If you're losing, fight back better. Improve your methods of war. But it is a war, an ideological war, and we need to fight it well. Well, believe it or not, all the laws which has been set in Europe by the liberals can be reversed by new conservative leaders. If they will not have the conservative leaders in Europe, I will guarantee you, Europe is being kissed goodbye. Why? Because Muslims multiply their numbers every 10 years. Today, there are 52, 55 million Muslims live in Europe. 10 years, there will be actually over 100 million. 20 years, there will be 200 million. That's more than the European people who live in Europe. But it's about time for people in Europe to pick up politically uncorrect people who are conservative, who care about their country, their future, and they can reverse all these dumb laws. Bill. Let me tell you something about Europe. I have an organization in Europe. I don't have one in America. I have an organization in Europe of about 300 people. Most of them come from Central Europe. There are two Europes on this issue of Islam. One is the Islam of England and France and Spain, and the other is that of Czech Republic, Slovakia, Poland, 
Hungary. When I go to Central Europe, I'm invited to be on state television for a 20-minute interview. So Central Europe is very different. Viktor Orban and the Italians all of a sudden are looking and going with Salvini are going, no, we're not doing it anymore. So what happens is we need to have people who push back. And in Central Europe, it's a very different story. Also, the thing about Central Europe I like is I'm the well, I'm always just generally the oldest man in the room, but in general, the audiences I speak to have a lot of gray hair. In Central Europe, they're all under the age of 35. They're all young, and they're fighters. They want to win because they're seeing it up close. And I ask them, I says, why are you all so on fire about this? They said, we were behind the Iron Curtain. We've seen tyranny, and we see Islam as tyranny with a god, and it's worse. So these people know tyranny, and they're pushing back. We need to understand that if we don't push back, we'll have tyranny as well. Hi. I was wondering, I'm a school bus driver, and in my community, I drive a lot of Muslim kids to school. And I talked to parents, and I talked to a mother once who said uh, her mother-in-law became a Christian. What happens to a person like that who becomes a Christian and they're from a Muslim home? The Sharia is very clear about that. Uh, Allah's word in Quran 6.151 said, do not kill the soul which Allah forbid except with a just cause. The soul which Allah forbid for being killed, if we can understand that verse alone, should alarm every senator and every congressman, those lawmakers in America. The soul which Allah forbid for being killed is a Muslim soul because every other soul is lawful to be killed. That's not my opinion. That's Muslim scholars' interpretation. In the Hadith, Muhammad said, Sahih Muslim, Sahih Bukhari, all correct hadith, 100%. The blood of the Muslim cannot be shed except in three cases. For murder, for adultery, for apostating, leaving Islam. So she left Islam, she became a Christian, she must be put to death. And that shows you the freedom of religion in Islam. Let me add one thing here. Generally speaking, they're not killed, particularly in America or Europe. But here's what does happen. They're ostracized. Being a Muslim is not being an individual. Being a Muslim is being part of the Ummah, U-U-M-M-A. Nation. The Nation of Islam, hence the name. So what happens is, is there's a definite push against converting because you'll be ostracized. Now let me take this point to say that what I find lacking in most churches is their willingness to go along with this business and not convert. I ask you this question, if the Great Commission actually believe in it, why aren't you converting Muslims? How many Muslims has your church created apostates out of? And that has to be done. I think it's called upon. I mean, do I understand this right? And by the way, there's something else that's got in, that you can do it individually to push back against Islam, particularly if you're in a church. You've ever heard of persecuted Christians? The most persecuted people on the face of the earth are Christians in Islamic lands. How come you are not raising Cain about this in your church? How come you're not doing that even if you don't go to a church? Why is it that it's okay to persecute Christians but not persecute anybody else? I don't want to persecute anybody, but the churches are silent in the face of this, and I think they will be judged upon the basis of being silent in the face of persecution. We hear a lot about um, moderate Islam and how there could be a reform movement or whatever. What is your take? Once again, there is no moderate Islam, therefore there is no moderate Muslims. You can't have it. How can you be a moderate Christian? Hate your neighbors? Hello? How can you be a mother Christian? Live in a, in a, unfaithful to your wives? See, to make, a, to make a moderate Muslim, you have to go against everything about Allah, his word in the Quran, and the saying of Muhammad in the Hadith. You cannot be that and be a Muslim. To be a Muslim is to submit. 
Submit to what? To Islam. What is Islam? Let me touch very briefly on something about you hear about reform Islam. We've talked about moderate and, and radical. How do you reform a book that was written and is written as being perfect? How do you reform that? You cannot reform it. Muhammad's life, which is the Hadith and the Sirah, how do you reform that? It's written it down. It, cannot be ref it, it can't be changed. Islam is Quran, Sirah, Hadith, so none of those three can be changed. So how do you reform anything? You say, you well, we don't, just don't pay any attention to it. It's and, always there to be used. And, and Muslims will say, well, Christianity was reformed 500 years ago. Why not reform Islam? Christianity was never reformed. What Martin Luther did is go back to the scripture. He says, solo scripto, scripture alone. He did not reform Christianity. He went back to the book. You cannot reform Islam. If you pretend that Islam can change in America, it will be the worst thing is happening in America. Why? Because now you're going to convince many of us that we can have these Muslims because they're moderate. And when the future comes, when Muslims have the upper hand, once again, they will have the true reformation, which means what? They're going to back, go back to the Quran. But at that time, 50 years from now, you cannot stop them because they have plenty of people to force Islam against your grandchildren. And on that day, your grandchildren will curse the day to have you as grandparents because you did nothing to protect them. By the way, let me give you the names of some reform groups in the 20th century that have reformed Islam. They're Al-Qaeda, Taliban, Muslim Brotherhood, Boko Haram. Those are all reform movements. What would you want with reformation? I have a question from someone in the back. Uh, it was hard for them to get up here, but they wanted to know, what's your opinion of the two organizations, CARE and ISNA? Is that the, uh, I'm not sure what it stands for, but if you can answer that question, that'd be great. Thank you. Islamic State of North America, uh, oh, uh, that's what I call them. CARE is the Council on America Islamic Relationship. If you go online and study or search for the Holy Land Foundation trial, the Holy Land Foundation trial, the second page in that document, the memorandum, which was written in 1987, was discovered 1993, was updated 1991 by Ahmed Akram. If you go study that document, Holy Land Foundation trial, that's the most important trial in the history of America. There's a list of 30 organizations. They're all Muslim Brotherhood. What is a Muslim Brotherhood? That is the tree from which the branches of Muslim Jihadi, like is like uh, uh, um, uh, you said Al-Shabaab or Boko Haram or uh, Hamas or Fatah or Hezbollah. All these are just branches. Brotherhood starts in Egypt with Hassan al-Banna, was updated with Sayyid Qutb, grew up a little bit later in Sadat, the Salamoni family who killed Sadat, and now the Brotherhood we have today in America. They are, all, they are the root of all evil of Islam. So believe me, Islam care are nothing but Muslim jihadi. Ditto. Okay, good question. Yes, a couple things. Uh, the question I really uh, have always wondered about, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, why are they believing as they do? Why is this belief so strong that it just takes over their lives? Is it fear? I mean, after all, Jesus was pretty important and did some amazing things. I know that they revere him as a prophet. However, what is with the belief, the strength of the belief? Well, there is no belief in Islam, my dear sister. The Quran teaches, the Bedouin said, we believe. He said, Allah said to Muhammad, say, do not say we believe, but we surrender, we submit. For faith never enter your heart. This is the Arab, the Bedouin, who started Islam. There is no belief in Islam. They bear witness. 
To become a Muslim, you say, I bear witness there is no God except Allah. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his prophet. And that is a false witness. Muslims don't believe Muslims are forced. They are submit by force. Muhammad said at the beginning of Islam, I am commanded by Allah to engage in war with people until they say there is no God except Allah. Muhammad is the measure of Allah, the Shahada. And as I shared earlier, you leave Islam, you're dead. There is no belief. You're forced, like it or not. Doctor, you mentioned that there is going to be a Muslim candidate on every ballot in America in the very near future, Democrat and Republican. So what questions should we be asking these candidates? We need to be asking them basically about what they actually believe in. For instance, the Sharia supports wife-beating. Muhammad said never ask a man why he beats his wife. The Surah of Four of Women says you can beat your wife. How do you, sir, as a candidate standing before us, how do you stand on wife-beating? Do you reject Muhammad when he said, never ask a man why he beats his wife? And be specific when you talk to these people. In these meetings, you only have 20 seconds to talk. Don't uh, be a scholar and try to defeat uh, and don't know, debate Islam. Be specific on a specific point and get to it and demand an answer. I know that uh, in certain churches, there are those who have invited the uh, Muslim imams from the, the Muslim center to come into the church and explain uh, their faith, of course, in a very moderate way and very peaceful and explain how peaceful they are. My question is, how can we address that with the church? Here's my fantasy about interfaith gathering, asking the Muslims to come into the church. Yeah, come into your church, but it's an ambush. Well, you know enough about Islam that you can nail him to the wall. Make it so that he will never come back and word will get out to others. You never want to go as a Muslim to that church. Islam is being normalized in our public government schools. They have hijab day, wear the hijab day. They have uh, celebrate Muhammad day. What do we do to counter that, Bill? I would say on celebrate Muhammad day, look, I'm into fact-based reasoning. I say if it's, we're going to talk about Muhammad, let's talk about all of Muhammad. Muhammad has two careers. One was a preacher of the religion of Islam for 13 years, converted 150 people. He went to Medina where he committed 95 acts of jihad in the last nine years of his life. Let's talk about Muhammad the preacher. Let's also talk about Muhammad the jihadist. Bring an ambush on. Well, let's talk about Muhammad, the child molester, the sex offender, the prophet pretender, the womanizer, the adulterer, the thief, the terse, the thug, as it is written in the Quran and in the Hadith. Educate yourself about, you know, the reason number one, Muslims leave Islam, is because they found out and learned about Muhammad, because they read the Quran. Reason number one, talk to all MBB, Muslim background believers, all of them. They left Islam because they learned the truth about Muhammad and they studied and understood the Quran. Let me give you a quick piece of advice. Here's the way I work. I do not call Muhammad a child molester or a pedophile. Here's what I say. From Bukhari, the Hadith, we find out that Muhammad married Aisha when she was six and consummated the marriage when she was nine. Stop. Everybody will draw the right conclusion, and you will not get hammered for being a racist or a hater because you've just quoted one of the Hadith. Exactly. Yusama Dak Dak and Dr. Bill Warner during an Illinois Family Institute Act for America forum at the recent AM560 Freedom Summit. You can find out more about Usama's ministry at thestraightway.org and Dr. Warner's work at politicalislam.com. Please support the work of the Illinois Family Institute. If you'd like to give, call 708 781 
708-781-9328. That's 708-781-9328. Or visit IllinoisFamily.org and click Contribute. IllinoisFamily.org. Reminder, all donations are tax deductible. And tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize. 